Welcome to Pilgrim Lost. Come walk with us while we explore life in hopeful motion. Welcome to Pilgrim Lost. This is a special episode that I've been looking forward to actually since we started Pilgrim Lost, to be perfectly honest. Today, um, we're being joined, being really honored with the presence of Dr. Randy Woodley, a uh, friend and a mentor of mine for many, many years. Uh, Dr. Woodley is a scholar and activist. He is one of the most renowned scholars, writers, speakers, thinkers in areas of justice and culture and American culture and indigenous thought and ecology and farming. And in um, he has just influenced so many innumerable people through his work. He is a husband. He is a father of four, grandfather of six, six, six. And um, he lives on Elohe Farm, which is an indigenous center for earth justice. We're going to get into that some today. He's the author of Six, seven books, something, something like that. Maybe a little more, but um, these yeah. are a couple I pulled off my shelf. And you have a new one just coming out, becoming rooted, which we're really going to get into here. But uh, Randy, I'm so glad to see you. How are you, sir? I'm good, Tony. Thank you. Um, so I'm a special guest, but I bet you say that to all your guests. <laughs> well, on some level, that's true, but I don't. I don't refer to other guests as uncle. So there's there's definitely right. more affection in this. There's a familial love that's hard to describe, and so special guest as best as I can do. All right, I'll accept the compliment. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, on that note, and I, you know, I just, I just want to gush because, first of all, I'm like all heart and, you know, I'm that guy, but. Uh, Randy is so, I mean, you and Edith have adopted us in so many ways. You know, we've been out to your farm multiple times out to Elohe. Uh, my kids have all been out there tons of times and we've done building projects and you've invited us into the community and you've loved us and we've done sacred experiences together. And I just, I just so appreciative, buddy. So I'm, that's me gushing. I, I'm, I was trying to keep it professional, but now I just start to lose it because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Hey, um, to get started, Randy, um, um, I mean, you're a you're a Cherokee descendant, and when uh, we first started this podcast, Kari and I, who's the co-creator, we really we really argued multiple times on whether to call it Pilgrim Lost. We like the name Pilgrim Lost, we like the reference to Paradise Lost, as um, as a as an explorative of sort of coming out of what has been lost? Like what have we lost as culturally or being human? And how do we step into that as pilgrims sort of embracing this metaphor of long distance trekking um, or even local trekking in order to sort of like re-engage our humanity. So that's just seemed like this really beautiful way of doing it. But the use of the word pilgrim, I just want, I would, I just want to get your, what's your gut response to the word pilgrim? Do you just go, dude, that was a mistake. That's offensive. Or I mean, anyway, what, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> well, um, at least you didn't use the word Puritan, right? So uh, <laughs> the, the pilgrims in uh, Massachusetts and uh, Plymouth were a little better than the Puritans, uh, at least for a while. And uh, 
So yeah, I understand the the idea of a pilgrim, and uh, but it's it's weird in America that we ended up giving those people sort of that moniker, uh, and now it applies to I think Pilgrim's Progress probably had a lot to do with all that stuff, right? But uh, um, yeah, so um, like uh, it's it's not the name I use, but I think it's okay. You know, you guys, you know. You're not going to change the name of your program now. So just pilgrim, maybe you should put parentheses in the general sense of the word. <laughs> in a, in a pre pre 16th century sense of the word or pre whatever uh, sense of the word. Um, yeah. I mean the, the heart of it is, you know, ancient pilgrimages, people go on pilgrimage, the, a quest for the sacred through, um, through journey. Basically yeah. it's the hope but it, it definitely is a loaded term in American culture because it did get co-opted. And the first encounter with the word we got as children, most of us being raised in the United States, was a reference to um, early settlers and that very, very complicated history. Yeah. You know, I mean, like uh, most of them were you know, th those first like that first generation, even though they were like you know, like they had this fatalism of Calvinism and, and they understood like, you know, William Bradford, who was the second governor of uh, Plymouth um, said uh, when they discovered the, the uh, uh, Wampanoag village and the bones and, and all, then they found all the, they were, they were dead from disease basically. Right. And then um, they discovered all these stores of corn and things, food hidden and his reaction, of course, was a typical pilgrim reaction at the time, um, which was, you know, surely the God of heaven has wiped out the inhabitants of this land to make room for us. Right. So so it's a loaded uh, sort of a term. Yeah. But there was a there, there was a, a time of sort of peacefulness that first generation anyway. Yeah. So, you know, hey, you work with what you got. Um, Elohe. Um Indigenous Center for Earth Justice. You guys have, you guys acquired a new property, what, three years ago now? Uh, it's not even been two years yet. Um, okay, April two years ago. April will be two years, yeah. How's it going? How's the development going? And can you just talk a little bit about what it is that Elohe does and how you guys expand this vision of Earth Justice through it? Yeah. So, yeah. So we had the place in Newburgh, which you've visited many times. Many times, um, yeah. And, uh, but it, it was just not only, uh, it was not laid out right. Uh, it was more of just a farm and we always wanted to be more than a farm. Um, the zoning restrictions were really tight there. We couldn't do what we needed to do in terms of our original vision, uh, which is to have schools and things like this. And so, um, when it came sort of time to sell, we had a, this scurry, we thought about buying some land in New Mexico that was up for sale. And then right. the, the guy, ended up, we went down there and the guy ended up, uh, like, uh, backing out of the deal. Basically he didn't, he, he changed the terms of everything. So we weren't going to go for that. And, uh, so we ended up like, basically we'd already sold our home and we ended up in Maupin, which is yep. central Oregon. People don't know, uh, for nine months. And then we finally found this place back in Yamhill County where we we're 20 miles or 20 minutes, I should say from our old place. Uh, it's a really nice, diverse uh, bio regions, sort of uh, right. lots of different things going on here from wetlands to uh, wooded forest to scrub to, you know, um, some open areas, meadows. And 
So it's just really, really a, a dynamic place in terms of nature. And there's a lot of wildlife here. Um, and so we, we section off a little section for us for the farm. And then the rest is, you know, for the animals to roam freely. And uh, uh, we see you know, regularly in our front window deer and fawns walking and eating grass in our front and all those kinds of things. And you know, eagles flying overhead and, uh, you know, hawks and yeah, it's just a, it's a really nice place. Um, we've developed it uh, quite a bit, Edith and I, that first year, a little over a year until we had any help. We started having volunteer help once a month, but um, Edith and I basically did everything from putting up fences to building well houses to, you know, uh, building a greenhouse and sort of getting things going and uh, it took a while, but uh, you know, we've got a lot done, I think in the last uh, couple, two years almost. And, um, and so now this summer, we're hoping to start having some schools and things. So we don't have, we're going to be building a building this summer. Um, it's a rustic kind of pole barn type building, but that's where we'll have our classes and, uh, and we'll be able to have some bunk houses in there. And we've got a little camping area, uh, also. Um, and uh, basically we, we teach, um, and mentor and, uh, we eventually want to hold like a, a couple summits a year where just we can open it up to everybody. But, um, but yeah, we're this, we're sort of doing the same thing we've been doing all along um, for the last uh, 30 years uh, or more, which is reaching both into our native community and non-native community so that we can all heal together and decolonize. That's sort of the number one goal is to start uh, the decolonization process or meet people where they're at in that. And then to help everybody indigenize. So, um, how, you know, and a lot of people are like, well, how do you indigenize if you're not indigenous? Well, we're all indigenous from somewhere. Mm. Uh, just time and space is the difference. And so I think that uh, creator has put in us that sense of living with the land instead of living on the land or extracting from the land. And so um, we've been trying to do that for a number of years and, and uh, we model that. We have a seed company. Um, we take people through the stages of growth and planting and companion planting and the spirituality of the land and how it connects to our our uh, faith journeys, our spirituality, I would say. Um, yeah, all of that. Um, and uh, it's not a classroom setting, uh, which is what I like. Uh, I'll be out of the classroom in less than a year. And we'll be sitting around a fire in different places like that, uh, doing our our classes, so to speak. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what we've had in mind all along. That's what we had in Kentucky originally, that we lost to the white supremacists, and um, so we're we're getting back to our original vision, and uh, hopefully uh, things will go as well as they seem like they always have. You know, it's also a place for ceremony. We want to have our native ceremonies here, and so we've. We've carved out some space for that, but we've also made room for all the wildlife so that we're not taking up all the land. So, yeah. Nice. And if anybody ever wants to get their hands on non-modified historical seeds, uh, Elohe is a great place to go. And you guys, you know, nurture and harvest that whole thing as a gift to the world. And I, lo I yeah. love all that. that. That's really important to us, you know, to keep the seeds free. And to keep a lot of these, um, you know, heirloom and especially the native heirloom seeds going. And um, and also uh, the last Saturday of every month, we have a volunteer day. And so, you know, we, we take groups at other times as well. But but just it's an open uh, call for volunteers the last Saturday of the month. 
every month uh, starting February and ending in November. So it's almost every month of the year. So, um, yeah, we welcome people to come out. And there's actually a volunteer sign-up page on our website if you go to Great. Uh, uh, org, and then there's a section for volunteers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about your new book because uh, I was excited when it came out and um, I couldn't get a copy. I went on Amazon multiple times. They were sold out. I wrote you. I said, Randy, where do I go to get your book? You're like, go check Barnes and Noble because everyone's selling out. So you got it. Your new book, Becoming Rooted. Oh. I've been I've been in it for about two weeks. I'm very oh. happy. Um, 100 Days of Reconnecting with Sacred Earth, Becoming Rooted. And okay, so any excuse to talk to you, that's just a given. But um, in light of the community around Pilgrim Lost, we've been we've been having this conversation over the last month, two months, over the last two months about um, um, the stranger. We've been talking about the stranger, and specifically, I'm just going to do a little setup here so you kind of understand what we've been discussing. Um, we, we brought on these guys from this film, I'll Push You. Um, where a, a man wanted to to walk the community of Santiago the 600 miles, but he's he's in a wheelchair, and so his best friend pushed him the 600 miles over three mountain ranges um, to get him. And one of the things we talked about was the sensation when you're on pilgrimage, when you're when you're on the community of Santiago, the sensation that everyone around me on on the Camino, we're all in the same story. We're not in different stories. We're all in the same story. So everyone just is your friend. You just assume everyone is your friend. And it's this sensation of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And there's just no hesitancy. Everybody you see, you get in conversation with where like when I walk around Portland, it's sometimes hard to get in a conversation with a stranger because the assumption is we're in different stories. And then um, last uh, last uh, episode, we got on with Jeremy Valorand and he, he runs slave freeing uh organization around the world called rescue freedom international and he does these long treks to raise money so that while you're giving this huge gift to yourself to go on these long treks to nourish your body and nourish your community you can simultaneously be raising funds to nourish the body and the community of people on the other side of the world who are who are suffering in this very very particular way bringing freedom to the world and that that even the person on the other side of the world is not a stranger that in this process I discover that we're in the same story as part of this sort of global thing. And what I want to talk to you about and what Becoming Rooted is so much about is that the, the natural world, sacred earth, that we're in the same story with sacred earth. And um, this entire this entire hundred days, you're just opening up all of these, you know, you're pulling back all these layers to go, here's a way to, to connect with sacred earth. Here's a way to connect. With, here's a very specific practice you can do. Anyway, now I'm, now I'm doing your job. Can you, can you just talk about um, how, you know, cause you know, we're just addicted. We're addicted. We're, um, we're speciesists. We think, you know, that humans are the ultimate and maybe the only real species worthy of connecting with. And yet, um, and you've written multiple books on this topic, but this book in particular to deprogram that can you just talk through what you're trying to do and and then we're just i just want to get into how like help us with how yeah so the problem you identified right we got a big fancy word for that right anthropocentrism so that means that you think human beings are like more deserving and better than 
and uh, deserve more privilege than everything else on earth, um, which is uh, not at all, uh, you know, a, a view that's going to sustain us. The, it's part of the Western worldview, which is based on what I call Platonic dualism and uh, sort of the idea that the, the spiritual, ethereal, mind, etc., are are um, receive priority over the material or bodies or the earth. And, and that, unfortunately, that kind of thinking, which was brought about by empire and uh, colonization now is, is in all of our systems, economically, educationally, religion, you know, you name it. And, um, and so basically we catch these things more than we're taught. And so, um, you know, it, it's all around us, it's in us and it's what we hear. And so, in order to break away from that unhealthy worldview, because that that Western worldview is really a sick worldview. It's based on competition and exploitation and all those kinds of things. And right. it is not it has not sustained us well, first of all, and it will not sustain us into the future. Um, we're, we're starting to see the end of that. And so what do we have to do? We have to begin to adopt a different way of thinking, a different worldview. And um, for um, my best understanding uh, an indigenous worldview, a more indigenous worldview, uh, especially if we take on the values of those peoples who have lived on this continent um, for, you know, 28,000 plus years, um, and who've learned not, who weren't perfect, but learned along the way sort of how to live with the land here. And uh, if we can begin to adopt that kind of a an outlook on life, then we might be able to continue to have the privilege to be co-sustainers of this earth with creator and the rest of creation. And so um, it's a big order. It's a tall order, but our time's running short. And, you know, they were just new. Uh, Noah just released a new report and, uh, you know, there's been lots of different, uh, United Nations and others, uh, reports on like things are worse than we think and the worst that we're willing to admit. And so how are we going to live to learn to live with the earth? This is a way that you can go on a journey and you don't have to leave home, right? We all are connected. Like you said, through the earth, that's what we have in common. We, uh, and so now we need to develop those common values around the earth so that we can live well together with the rest of the community of creation. And so um, that's like starting point. I didn't write it for any particular religion. I didn't write it for any particular uh, philosophy. I wrote it for, because I believe all people have this in common, which makes us all spiritual beings. Um, and so if you have any sense of spirituality at all, then uh, this is a book that, that helps people on a daily basis to think about things in a different way uh, as they, they look out at creation. And I share a lot of my own personal experiences and things like that throughout the book, but they're just very short tidbits. And then at the end, the thing I'm most excited about is at the very end, there's a little exercise to kind of move you beyond just thinking, right? So that breaks up the dualism. It's like, get out and do something. Because, hmm. you know, I think, you know, for a lot of us uh, in Western mindset, it's like if we think the right things, we think we're doing the right things. Right. And um, this has nothing to do with just thinking. This has to do actually with connecting. And all of us can do that and we can do it right where we're at. In fact, I encourage people to do it right there in their own yards and in their own communities. So 
to get involved with creation, you know, right there where it's happening around you. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I've done more reading than most on world religions, but uh, inevitably you come across streams in almost every world religion that, that emphasizes sort of returning to, to, to the natural, reconnecting with the natural as a, as an inherent part of spirituality around the world. And then increasingly counseling and, and therapies are, are embracing this somatic counseling and some other things are embracing this reconnecting with nature as a part of the healing process that part of what this, this wounding, this bondage, whatever you want to call it, this, um, this paralysis of the modern human experience is partially healed by reconnecting with one another, certainly, but also reconnecting with, with nature, with, with the creation. But you, you made this great statement. You said it's something that is caught, not learned. And when you catch something, the, the, un, the unraveling of it is sometimes more difficult than even ideas. And so, it, I mean, I'm reading the book and at the end of every chapter, you've got a meditation you've got you know go on a walk today and and engage creation in this way like can you just kind of talk about sort of how to uncatch or how to how to maybe catch a different a different mindset yeah well while it seems like a a tall order right i mean changing your worldviews i mean anthropologists used to say that worldviews are immutable that means they can't be moved they can't be changed but we know that's not true in fact, I always say that it's never been true um, because uh, women who have been largely discriminated against by men um, in lots of societies, not all societies, um, have always had to sort of, especially in the United States, have had to think both with a, their own viewpoint as a woman and a man's world, a man's viewpoint in order to sort of make it. And so so um, it's not hard. And they call it, there's a big, a big another big fancy word coming up here. There's a, um, a phrase that anthropologists use called uh, indigenous cosmopolitanism. And that means there are people who can, can not just act in two cultures properly, but can see from two different worldviews. In other words, the things that are caught, the things that no one has to teach, those values and all those things that go there. And so um, as we look at like, okay, how do we change that? We think, okay, that's going to be a horrible, terrible, long, you know, um, my, you know, a lot of my books I write and I kind of take it on theologically and philosophically and try to kind of take it head on this book. I'm just trying to get people to walk with me for a hundred days uh -huh. or as many as that you can during that period. Right. And, um, and I made it accessible and readable and, you know, uh, so that you can just sit down real quick and, and in five minutes, basically read it and hopefully think about it throughout the day. But, um, but, but what happens with the things that are, caught that worldview is once you start unraveling one thread it all starts to fall apart that's the beautiful thing about it is and i've seen this happen so many times when people on if you want to call it the decolonization process or whatever shifting your worldview it's like you know even sometimes just one experience does it you know um and and it's like once you sort of tear at the fabric of that foundational thread of the Western worldview. And you see how false it is in so many ways and how it's not meant for people to live on this earth with. Then all of a sudden you start noticing it all around you. And then, 
then the idea is what we call basically continuing to decolonize and then indigenize learn like what does it mean to then live with the land and live with people and live with these kinds of values that have sustained people for so long can you talk at all in this i may be phrasing this wrong but is there a way to implement like like greeting like greeting the earth or greeting uh, our non-human neighbors uh, as, as we go about life. Do, is that something that you practice or is that something that you would encourage? Yeah. So, well, I practice a, a, a little ritual. Uh, and I know I shared this with you before in the mornings of, of a little abbreviated water ceremony. So um, in the old days, um, the Ketuas, the people in my uh, group, uh, ethnic group would go to water and then they would pray each day and another way they did was to greet the sun and and hold their hands up and pray and bless themselves and um so i use a number of those kinds of things but um but in terms of greeting like an official greeting there's a wonderful thing people can look up uh you can you can write it as the iroquois thanksgiving prayer but it will come up as the haudenosaunee thanksgiving prayer and it's a greetings to the natural world, right? And in that prayer is so beautiful because it goes through everything, to the plants, the food plants, and the medicine plants, and the trees, and the sun, and the you know, and 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 it finally ends with um, with uh, the wise teachers and then the creator. And so um, it's a beautiful thing. We use it actually at Thanksgiving time, um, but uh, and we read the whole thing. Uh, it's a beautiful way to even, even if you did like one of those in the morning, one section at a time, there's probably 25 sections in there. Yeah. Wow. That, that's we, a uh, practice. We're going to try and track that down and we'll have it in the show notes for people to at least find a link to go see it. Um, it sounds like it's too long maybe to print in the show notes, but yeah, um, maybe we'll probably print it on the blog. Maybe we'll print it on the blog so people can go there and see it. Uh, I, I do this thing and uh, tell me if I'm missing it. I've been doing it for years. Uh, so I walk around the city, you know, this I'm, I'll go for five to 10 mile walks around the city as a regular part of my personal practice, uh, my pilgrim practice, um, trying to live out these values, greeting neighbors. But I, the, the diversity of trees in Portland for an urban center is to me is stunning. I mean, incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's stunning. I mean, I, I know that it's a, it's a concrete covered world, but the diversity is unbelievable. And I have, I have my favorite trees that I, I visit as I walk. And I have this thing where I just, I can't help, but I can't help but put my hands on the texture and my nose and the bark, you know, <laughs> as I pass the trees, just as my own way of sort of, um, sort of a multi-sensory kind of connection with these, these unbelievable creatures that, that are older than me, that, um, will be here when I'm gone, probably some of them. Um, does that, I mean, does that speak to this? Yeah. I mean, and, and you say, okay, yeah, but look at the, the life. And one of the things I talk about is urban people just there to get out in your yard and look at the life going on around you. Actually, there's yeah. way more than what you suspect. Right. I mean, there's, of course there's the squirrels and there's the birds and there's the trees and there's the bushes, but you know, if you look deep enough, I mean, under those sidewalks and under that concrete, you know, uh, there's a, a whole world moving around and, you know, uh, reproducing and eating each other and all this. You know, they say in one handful of healthy soil, you know, good, healthy, 
composty soil, uh, there's more microbes than there are people who have ever lived on the earth. Hmm. And so even on unhealthy places, you're going to have something going on, right? And so, um, and then those trees, you know, like if everybody walked out of the city right now, you know, and I don't know how long, but not long, uh, all those sidewalks and all those buildings and everything would be gone. But guess what would still be there? The soil and the trees and the bushes right. and the animals and the, the birds. And, and so um, we just got to get our perspective right. We think that those things that we build are the monuments to humanity, right? And, um, uh, and, and it's all about making it life easier for us. But we forget that we live in a whole community of creation. And we are just co-sustainers with everything else and with the creator to continue to keep things moving in a positive direction. And, you know, so that, you know, our, our harmony way, Elohe is a Cherokee word that means, you know, uh, the earth's producing in abundance. Um, the whole community of creation is at peace with one another. Nobody's yeah. warring with one another. Um, you know, everybody has enough to eat, uh, you know, those kinds of things, not utopia but living the way that we were actually meant to live. These are what I call the original instructions. And, um, and you can get a little bit of that, you know, even in your, in the urban settings and you're an expert on that, Tony, you know, there's a lot going on, you know, not just with people. So, but to remember we're among a whole community of creation. I have these moments. They don't happen very often. Every few months I have these moments where I'm out walking in my neighborhood and I may have been walking for an hour and a half and uh, not, nothing special, just another day out, getting a little exercise, maybe greeting a few neighbors on the way, no big deal. And then maybe I'll take a couple of deep breaths, like really, you know, breathe in through my nose, really take in a good lung full of oxygen. And suddenly I'll look around and I, I kid you not, suddenly everything will be three times more beautiful than it was a second earlier. Like the greens will be greener. The reds will be redder. The textures will be more dynamic. Uh, the sky will be bluer. Like just suddenly I'll just be like, holy smokes. Like what, like what just happened? And I, I don't know what's going on there, but it, it kind of, it freaks me out. And then I just try and sit in it. I just try and hold it as long as possible because I don't want it to go away. Yeah. So we're, like living in the moment, right? Um, paying attention to what's going on around us. Um, we have all of a sudden the consciousness that, you know, sort of how small we are and how alive everything is around us. And I think those, yeah, those things happen to me after I sit for a little while usually. Um, and all of a sudden I realize, geez, I'm just a little part of all this, but there's so much going on, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a lot's not going to change out here when I'm no longer out here, right? It's going to, it's just going to keep going. Um, but I'm privileged to be able to be a part of it and to try and make it as, uh, uh, as great as I can while I'm here for my, not just myself and my children, my grandchildren, the next seven generations. And, um, and, and really, uh, like who does it belong to? It, it belongs to the creator and it belongs to everyone. Hmm. And that's the wonderful thing about it. We don't um, sort of own anything out here. Uh, we don't get to take it with us. We end up back as, you know, humus or soil uh, eventually, no matter 
you know, how long you postpone it, you're going to end up back there. And, and, and then life goes on, the circle's completed. So um, we're just, we get to be part of that system. And, and if we're really privileged, we get to like make a difference and make it better. And becoming rooted right at the end of the first section. And if I'm stepping, if I'm stepping on something too sacred that you don't want to share on this podcast, just say, you know, whatever, but you share a dream that you had a, a really sort of unbelievable mystical dream. Um, is that something you'd be willing to share or at least share maybe the conclusion of it? If you don't want to tell all the details of it. Yeah, I can talk about that. Um, I don't usually talk about that. In fact, I've, I hesitated to write it in the book, but I thought I felt that I felt that when I was reading it. So yeah, that's why it's, I'm yeah. it, it's too important a lesson to, to not share. Right. And so, um, yeah, so we, Edith and I were, were in New Mexico at the place they call the ghost ranch, which is a, like a, uh, retreat type center. And we were at a, um, we were, there was a, a, a thing called something like, native elders and spirituality and we were invited we were like like the definitely the elder juniors there you know um and uh um but there were you know some pueblo elders and navajo and others and and uh, and we participated all week long in sharing stories and teachings and and um <clears throat> he eventually it was time to go. And just before we left, we were, I was asked to be a part of this ceremony with a, uh, um, uh, Olmec, uh, Mexican shaman, um, as a closing sort of ceremony. And I felt privileged to be asked to do that. So, um, we were on our way home. And, uh, during that time there, I had shared so many times my mantra at that time, which was like, we're healing the land. Right. Hmm. We're healing the land. I, I, people come out to Newburgh and I, I'd say, well, yeah, we're listening to the land and we're healing the land, you know, and it, it became a sort of a, a thing that like, it was like part of my identity. It's like, well, that's our job is to heal the land. Right. And, uh, and so on the way back, uh, we were at a hotel and I had a dream and um, I'd had lots of different kinds of dreams in the past. Some, just dreams and some sacred and animal dreams and other things like this that I knew like were lesson teaching, but I'd never had a dream of plants and plants are primordial to say the least. It's something deep, much deeper. You know, if you think about it, um, how long they've been here and how long they stay here. And, uh, and I had this, this, uh, this dream and and all of a sudden i was at elahe and all the plants were standing in front of me and there was one particular small plant i don't know what kind it was um kind of standing in front and without saying a word all the plants together spoke in my consciousness and just said this we are healing you mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i realized um how small i am uh how um privileged I am that I get to be a part of that healing. And it's like, I think I'm in control of healing the land. No, the land is healing me and the land is healing us. And if we allow it to, that's exactly why it's here. 
to Thank learn you. from it, to use the plant medicines, to, you know, to, there's so much that nature has to teach us. It's just, you know, uh, we've just kind of forgotten how to learn from our, our primary and longest lasting teacher on earth, which is the earth herself. Randy, it's so great. And this is, I mean, I kind of, I kind of did that time probably because it's you and I, I won't, I'm sort of always looking for your blessing on my life. I probably, I kind of painted myself better than I am a little bit on this, on this episode. The reality is most of the time I have, I have earbuds in, I'm listening to, you know, ESPN podcasts. I'm using walking as a way to check out, disconnect, um, numb even, and, um, and walking are my times in nature, even when I'm out on my kayak or whatever. And, um, the the encouragement of basically the the time we've spent together but reading becoming rooted is is hearkening to earlier conversations we've had and it's bringing up thoughts and and randy it's i think it's i think it's your best writing i really love becoming rooted you're i mean it's so uh uh multi-dimensional in how you're writing and so evocative that's what i wanted it was it's so evocative yeah. something happens when you get old. you know i i'll i'll admit something happens when you get older <laughs> you start to see well at least i have i think um hopefully start to see more clearly right start to see how the pieces fit together a little better um and uh, and i'm glad that i wrote this book at this time in my life as opposed to 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Right. And uh, I've got two other books coming out for people interested in more theological things this year. Really? Um, yeah. So I've got a book coming out April 19th called, uh, if you want to look into this from a theological perspective, um, it's called uh, Indigenous Theology in the Western Worldview with hmm. Baker Academic Books. And it can be pre-ordered now. Um, and uh, uh I think the subtitle is a decolonial view of Christian doctrine or something like that. Mm. Uh, but basically where I go through this whole idea of platonic dualism and, and how it's creeped into our religion and theologies and things like that. And some of the ways to get out of that. And then I have a book coming out in the late fall um, called the mission and the cultural other, a closer look, which is a sort of a critique critique of the whole modern American mission movement. So, um, I think we've been doing that wrong. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I should have, by the end of the year, I should have three books out and hopefully they'll all be some of my best writing. So I, I'm sure they are. And then you and you and my old buddy, Bo Sanders, you guys are still doing piecing it all together podcast. We are as we can. <laughs> We're both can, very busy. <laughs> yeah. I so think we've done maybe 70, 80 episodes by now. Something like that. Yeah. 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 So those are all available anywhere you get podcasts. Yeah. And P C is spelled P E A C I N G. Yeah. Yeah. P E A C. It's on the screen, uh, piecing okay. it all together. And um, before we go, before we say goodbye again, sadly, uh, anything else you'd like to say you haven't had a chance to say? Well, I just think that um, uh, if you're thinking of making a change in your life, that this is a good time to do it because, um, you know, there's a lot going on. Right. We're like looking for new stuff. We got, you know, Gen Z and millennials, a whole 
uh, two generations there that are like ready to do something different. And so we're, we're sort of like poised, uh, like an arrow being drawn back right now. And so the, the question is, well, well, what do I shoot for? What's the target? Right. Well, uh, the target can be changing your own worldview and adopting them, decolonizing and making a more indigenous worldview so that, that you can live better with your fellow human beings and the rest of creation. And so just encourage you to do that. I'm not the only person uh, doing this. Um, I'm just trying to do my part, but, uh, yeah, if, uh, if people can like say, all right, I've, I've been suffering through all this for the last few years and this crazy, you know, political stuff for the last five years, six years, whatever. And, uh, now it's time for me to like really change things up. It's a great time to do it. So do it. Yeah. And this, as we slowly crawl out of COVID and um, the upheaval, like you were saying, in these last three or so years or what, however long it's been, it really, it feels like a rebirthing time. And um, in a rebirthing time, you, you have a lot of, of autonomy uh, or a lot of um, will in, am I going to remove Am I going to further hide within um, sort of a protective matrix of ideas, or am I going to become more open, more more free, more more uh, curious of the other, of the different? Um, and uh, my one of the things we talk about on Pilgrim Lost a lot is that curious lifestyle. Yeah, and that agency, if. If it's like, if we've been feeling like tossed back and forth and, you know, not much control or whatever, agency is something that we ourselves can uh, take a hold of and, and do. And it gives ourselves dignity and gives others dignity around us and, and uh, freedom. And uh, so this is, this is the time, the time for change. Yeah. Dr. Woodley, Randy, Uncle Randy, um, thank you so much. You can find Randy at Piecing It All Together, P-E-A-C, Piecing It All Together podcast, randywoodley.com, elohe.org, eloheseeds.com. Um, and his new book is Becoming Rooted, 100 Days of Reconnecting with Sacred Earth. Um, they will, just so people know, um, I don't know when this will actually come out, but um we sold out in the first three weeks uh, and <laughs> Too bad. we sold a couple thousand copies in and they've got another, like a double that amount coming out, uh, should be start shipping March 1st. So great. Um, yeah. Great. Um, and this, this episode I think is up the first week of March. So hopefully okay, they'll so be able to order. And, uh, so go check it out and get, better move fast because apparently Randy writes books that sell out. Unlike my <laughs> books. <laughs> and, and never sold well, it was the first time for everything, right? So. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah, Everyone, thanks, this, this is Pilgrim Lost. Um, what a treat to be with Randy and what a treat to be with all of you. I, I hope that you're connecting with your loved ones, your sacred neighbors all around you every day, every week. As you, as we continue to explore wholeness, um, a life of integrated curiosity and creativity. And as always, thanks for getting lost with us. Thanks, Tom.
Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.